Hi, this is John Leahy. Thanks so much for tuning in to Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing. On the major platforms like Apple and Spotify, we come out with brand new episodes every Wednesday with refreshing content. So I thank you for your support. And again, you're listening to Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. And I encourage you to subscribe. Thanks and enjoy this week's episode. everyone, welcome to Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. I'm John Leahy. Thanks again for being with us here on the podcast. Hope you enjoyed last week's episode. We had some homemade St. Patrick's Day music for you. And uh, that was fun to put that show together. Uh, and if you'd like to hear that episode again or any other episode we've done, I encourage you to check out the website we have for the podcast. It is at LeahyStorytelling.com. That is L-E-A-H-Y, Storytelling.com. You can uh, search for any of the episodes we've done in the past. Uh, you can also leave a uh, rating of zero to five stars if you'd uh, like to do that or you can also leave a written review of any particular episode you'd like uh, we also have a blog up there and some videos and also a way for uh, you to leave voice messages there's a purple microphone at the lower right hand corner of each page of the website and if you'd like to uh, leave a message uh, feel free any suggestions questions comments we'd lo love to hear them and you can also if you'd like you can also uh, sp um, subscribe through apple and spotify the two big uh, podcast hosts well uh, we have with us tonight uh, Casey Bellamy, who is an Olympic gold medalist. Uh, she's won multiple gold medalists in the sport of ice hockey. And uh, she played collegiately here in New England, also played uh, professionally. And uh, we, we'd love to uh, talk to her about her career. So, Casey, uh, thanks so much for spending some time with us tonight. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, I love doing these. I love, you know, talking about my story and hopefully anyone listening can take one thing from it and go away with a little motivation or inspiration. Yeah, I'm sure they will uh, because your your story is a fascinating one uh, as uh, I had a chance to review some of the highlights and uh, I guess I'll start by uh, noting that uh, you, you were born here in New England and uh, I guess uh, in your hometown of Westfield you started playing hockey uh, very early on, right? Uh, right? Around the age of five I'm seeing. Yeah, that's correct. My brother, my older brother, Rob, was playing hockey. We actually, uh, I grew up, uh, was born in Rhode Island. And then when my dad got a job opportunity, we moved to Westfield. And I wasn't playing hockey at all. I was dancing. And, you know, my mom put me in ballet, any normal, like, little girl would do. But my brother was playing. And one time, I just went down to the basement and threw his equipment on. And I didn't think it was going to stink, and I didn't really notice it. But now looking back, I'm probably crazy for doing that. But I loved it. And I started, and my dad didn't want me to play, but my mom did. And they came to the conclusion that, okay, we'll let her try it. And I just fell in love with it at the age of five. 
Yeah, that's great. Did you have any particular challenges uh, with, uh, you know, uh, playing? I'm sure you played uh, against a lot of boys. There, there probably weren't a lot of girls' teams back then, right? So you had to, I guess, kind of start by playing uh, against boys. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's very true. Definitely around Western Massachusetts, the closest girls' team was either Connecticut or Assabet Valley, which uh, was kind of near Concord. But um I just, playing with boys, it was great for me. It, you know, made me tougher mentally, but um, yeah, it was definitely a challenge. Um, but I knew that, you know, it kind of made me a better player. It took me out of my comfort zone. And, you know, it was one of the, the best and biggest challenges of my life. And not knowing that, I think, at the age, but as I got older, I definitely could tell that playing boys hockey made kind of gave me that foundation of uh, a strong mindset yeah did did uh did you find that um uh, it was difficult initially to gain respect uh, from the boys you played against and with, with the talent that that you have i'm sure you assimilated and thrived but uh, you know what kind of an adjustment was that for you yeah it was it was difficult and i think what helped is like my parents were just so great with all the other parents and kids and they were just, you know, socially wonderful. So I feel like we always would hang out and that, you know, drew me closer to some uh, players, but I wasn't really a great hockey player and I didn't really notice that I maybe, you know, could go farther until I was in eighth grade. Um, I started getting stronger. I started getting a little taller, but, you know, those first five years were pretty tough in the boys um you know leagues just because I was a forward and then I transferred to defense because I never wanted anyone to get behind me so they were like all right <laughs> let's put her at D and little did I know I kind of loved the position so much and I was just able to thrive just because I enjoyed being that kind of quarterback but yeah as I got older I would start to hit the boys a little more, and I think I gained respect over time. Yeah, that's great. So you graduated from the Berkshire School in 2005, and you were very much involved uh, with athletics uh, there, weren't you? Yeah, and let me tell you, if I had any advice for young girls, boys is a little different because they play juniors, but it's just a great path to go in order to not just follow your athletic dreams, but just understanding life in general. But when it came to sports, yep, that was my little niche. I played field hockey, hockey, and softball every single year uh, for four years. And lucky enough, um, two of my teams won, three of my teams actually won a, you know, New England prep school championship. And then, you know, we lost in a few finals. So I was very lucky to be surrounded by a lot of uh, great athletes. Yeah, and actually you were uh, rewarded also for your, your accomplishments there. You, you were MVP, co-MVP uh, there, uh, and the New England Prep School Athletic Council, uh, D1. So uh, a, a lot of great uh, achievements for you, and uh, I imagine that laid uh, quite a, a good groundwork for your success. Yeah, it definitely gave me a confidence boost, but you know, none of that success would have happened if I wasn't surrounded by like the teammates that I had, because I had so much fun with them and they pushed me to be better. And, you know, the coaches that I had at prep school, I would have to say Lori Sharpentier will go down as, you know, one of the best coaches that I ever had because, you know, she set expectations and, you know, she just demanded this respect and demanded hard work every single day that, you know, she intimidated me, but I wanted to step on the ice every day and, you know, make her proud. And she really, you know, set that foundation for the rest of my career. 
And then uh, you move on to UNH uh, in Hockey East. Uh, you you got your degree in 2009, and uh, you got a bachelor in uh, women's studies. But uh, me being a Hockey East guy and, and working for Merrimack College as long as I have, I'm curious uh, as to what attracted you, what appealed to you uh, about UNH and your uh, selection to go there? Yeah, it was a difficult one. Uh, that senior year came and you have to kind of look at schools, go on unofficial visits. Uh, I went to three schools, St. Lawrence, Providence, and UNH. And, you know, UNH was the last on my list. And surprisingly enough, I did go there. Providence was a little too scary for me. I heard like cops and ambulances all night. So I was like, <laughs> definitely can't go there. Um, and then St. Lawrence, Beautiful campus. It was just, it reminded me just of Berkshire. So I really grew a love for that school and a lot of my Berkshire teammates went there, but I knew that my parents weren't going to be able to watch, you know, me live a lot because it was so far north. Um, and my brother was at the University of Maine at the time and uh, them and, you know, UNH were big rivals. And, you know, it was only another two and a half, three hours up to Bangor from Durham. So I just thought it was a perfect uh, situation for my family and parents as a whole. Yeah, now even to this day, Casey, uh, UNH and Maine have a, uh, a pretty unique rivalry. And, uh, you know, it's uh, I think they call it the border war. But, uh, you know, maybe you could take a minute and describe how special those games were against Maine. As you said, particularly because you have a family, you had a family connection there. Yeah, I was pretty lucky. I think when I visited UNH, um, the boys were playing, the men were playing Maine and it was like white out the wit. So just being part of that atmosphere and seeing it all take place live and, you know, you're in prep school, you're in this little small community and then you're going to this, you know, 15,000 student campus and it was just electric. Um, there were signs up talking about like Bellamy because my brother was already there and they knew that I committed already. So it was a really cool experience in the beginning and I, I just have to say, when I was at UNH going to those men's games, especially versus Maine, or if we went to Maine, you know, it was just everyone knows that UNH and Maine just do not like each other. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, you put up great numbers, too, at UNH in 143 career games, 27 goals, 80 assists, and 107 points. Now, that's pretty impressive uh, as a defenseman, but uh, uh, how would you summarize your four years there? I know that statistically it looks like uh, you really you really uh, killed it at UNH. Yeah, I was pretty lucky. I mean, I think looking back, we we had – the most talented like string of four to five years there at UNH from that 2005 to 2009, 10. And it's just a testament to the recruiting that Aaron Witten, Brian McCloskey um, and Colette Bredin did when she was there. And then when Steph Jones came in, um, they just, you know, they hit the prep school route. Um, girls that came in, great players, but also amazing people. We got along so well. And, you know, Brian was such a good coach for me. I think Lori was so good at teaching me like habits and work ethic, but Brian taught me how to play defense. And in order for me to get to the next level, I needed to really understand that position and just try to dominate the most I could. And, you know, like I said, we had unbelievable teams. We went to the frozen four twice and, won the Hockey East Championship four years in a row. So, you know, I look back at, you know, UNH, and it's uh, it's very proud to look back and say we were part of some of the best teams there. 
Well, I have to get your perspective on uh, a story that I that I was uh, I came across. Uh, you were in between your first and second year at UNH. You were in your your dorm room, and you got uh, uh, some correspondence from a team that wanted to take a look at you. And you went to try out, and um, things didn't work out the way that you wanted them to. You you actually got some negative feedback, and uh, that was pretty upsetting, I guess, to you. But you used that as motivation to get better. Uh, uh, maybe you could uh, share that story with us. Yeah, definitely. This was the first time I ever got invited to a USA camp. So first time getting invited to the national team, this was the under 22 team. Um, so a lot of those younger college girls are involved, the best in the country, right? So amazing experience, but I, I got cut first time ever trying out, you know, got cut from the team. And uh, this was a big turning point in my life because I think when, you know, players get cut, especially at the highest level, there's, you know, some egos can be involved and you could yeah. blame the coach, you know, and say, I should have made the team. That person was, it's just all political. Right. Um, but I didn't, I went home with my father from Lake Placid, sat in the car for three hours in silence. And I let a week go by and I, you know, it was eating away at me. And I needed to make a decision because I, I I wanted to know why I got cut. So I emailed uh, the coach, uh, Katie Stone, who was uh, who's the coach at Harvard. Emailed her and just asked her what I what I needed to work on. Um, respected, you know, her decision. Um, congrats on a great tournament, but you know, what can I work on now for my future? And you're right. I was in that dorm and I wrote on a post-it you know, those five things. And, you know, she said, work on my feet. I'm complacent. Um, I need a quicker shot. I get, a, uh, I'm affected by others, like the friends that I was hanging around with. Um, and I use that as motivation every single day. And I really believe that it helped boost me to the next level. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, uh, you took several of those, uh, posted notes right and you put them everywhere just so you you would be always surrounded by uh that that motivation right yeah because in my opinion that's just always a reminder that you can give more so i put it in my binders in school i put it you know on my mirror in the bathroom um just everywhere that i knew that i was going to be able to see it you know 10 times a day that was always in the back of my mind because that was my dream to make that national team. And I knew if I put the work in and did everything that she said and tried to improve that list, that I'd probably, you know, have a good chance at making it. Well, um, you know, I, I do want to talk about a few of the professional teams you've played with, but uh, I, I think we really need to touch on the Olympics here because uh, you have won several gold medals. Uh, in fact, you're tied uh, as uh, for the most gold medals, uh, you've got nine gold medals, uh, most all time. You're tied with a Hillary Knight for the most. Uh, you've competed all over the world uh, in Olympic play. So let me ask the, obvi uh, the obvious question first is, how much of a thrill was it for you to represent your uh, country playing the game that you love? It, it was absolutely incredible. Um, but I, I think every single time I went, to a tryout, I went to camp, I went to a tournament. I just, you know, I, I it was a job for me, right? And I, I put on that work hat and I just tried to do the best that I could being surrounded by the most amazing teammates. Um, I never took it for granted, right? I, I, from the moment I first put on that USA jersey, I would look at it and 
you know, take in five seconds before any game that I was able to wear it and just, you know, have that little reminder that, you know, there it, it's, it's bigger than just this game, you know, but all that preparation and sacrifice and work, forget about it because, you know, now it's ready to, it's time to go out and play. Um, it was just, like I said, an incredible experience. Um, losing two gold medals before winning a gold is probably something that is so unique and so special, so heartbreaking at the same time. But, you know, when you look back and then you finally win that gold, it's just the most incredible feeling. Now, you've won multiple gold medals, so I, I just have to ask you, w describe the emotion for us when you're there waiting for that uh, gold medal to be put around your neck. Uh, I wonder if you could just uh, summarize what that feels like and maybe take us through some of the emotions that you feel when that happens. Yeah, obviously every world championship, it, it's it's every year, so it's a little different, but when you get a gold medal at the world championship, it's kind of, it's more about pride. And I think just because it took so long to get that Olympic gold, that was pure euphoria, in my opinion. Um, just the, the feeling I felt knowing that we, when we won that game, every single thing was worth it, no matter what. Like, even the two losses, you know, you got to embrace failure no matter what. Because, you know, when you go back and you finally achieve your dream nothing else matters, right? You would do it all over again in a heartbeat just because of that feeling. Absolutely. Now, uh, th there's a couple of uh, specific memories I guess I could touch on. Uh, one of them is uh, a gold medal that you won in the 2018 Olympic Games over in Pyeongchang, uh, over in Korea. Now, uh, you wouldn't... Uh, you wouldn't think of Korea as being a, a hockey place or a hockey hotbed, but uh, they had a, a very successful a tournament of, over there. Uh, I wonder if you could talk about just uh, how unique of an experience that was playing in a quote-unquote non-hockey traditional area. Yeah, it's very unique, but they make the Olympics just so user-friendly in every way that you don't even feel like you're in the country. You just You're at some type of an event. And you know that it's surrounded by all these different sports, um, all these different athletes. So like the Olympic Village is just the most unique experience. When you leave the village, of course, different. You get to see parts of the, uh, the cities, different towns and areas, the food. My parents loved it so much. It was just such an incredible experience. And because of being in Sochi, four years earlier, we weren't really allowed to leave the village. So we had a little bit more freedom in Pyeongchang and, you know, just learning about different culture and just the country itself was just, so it's always nice to do that and take, take it in on an off day and, you know, talk to your family about, you know, stuff that they've done, different landmarks that they go and visit. Um, but, you know, when we're there, it's all business and that, that's the best way I can describe it. Well, you make a great point about uh, learning about different cultures. Uh, to what extent do, are you able to uh, learn about those cultures and, and experience, uh, you know, some of the uh, things that, that different places have to offer? You said, you know, of course, it's all business, but uh, it, to what extent does that cultural aspect play in? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, when we're at a world championships, we usually try to get like one or two days off because it is like a two-week tournament and then Olympics, you really get to take it in after you're done uh, with competition. So for us, it's usually like an extra three to four days. 
Um, but I think it is important. We usually go to, you know, some of the most popular, you know, areas, cities, sometimes we'll take a train and our host, you know, does a great job, whatever country we're in setting it up for us. Um, one of the most amazing experiences I had was like one of my first world championships was in China. Um, wow. so that was, that, yeah, that was really eye opening for me. Um, and then I also, uh, played there during one of the professional years. So that's a very different culture, but to experience it, it's just amazing. Not a lot of people can say they do. Yeah. And you, you also got to play in a beautiful city, uh, out in the Western Canada, Vancouver, right? Uh, they have an NHL franchise out there and, uh, uh, I've never been to Vancouver, but, but I'm sure you have some great stories to tell about that city as well. Yeah, definitely a gorgeous city. And that was my first Olympics. So I was very uh, rookie, eyes wide open, just taking everything in. Um, and I think I enjoyed it a little too much. But we went back there during the 2018 Olympic year. And it was just so cool to see, you know, the, the different landmarks and remembering when I was there 10 years ago, and just how much the city has grown, how much I've grown personally, and my teammates and I, you know, whoever was still on the team took a few pictures like you know reenactments of like 2010 to yeah. 2018 so that, that was a cool experience for sure well how special were the games against team canada now back in 2017 you scored a couple of goals in the iihf world championship game uh you know uh, all the uh, games that u.s and team canada have played always seem to be very special i'd like to get your take on how special and unique those games were and how fun they were as well Oh, that's why I continued to play the game for so long. Just that motivation, that thinking about those games. Those are the games you trained for, right? Those are the games, you know, you're thinking about late at night when you can't sleep, getting excited. It's just a rivalry like no other. And I was so lucky to be a part of it for so long and, you know, play against some of the most amazing players in the world, but also lucky enough to play with some of them when I uh, went and played pro in Calgary. So, you know, it's, we have such a respect for each other and, you know, we both know when we step on the ice that we're definitely not friends and there's a lot of pride on the line and we just want to go out there and, you know, show who's the stronger country yeah, at that night. Absolutely. Well, you, you've also had some experience playing professionally, uh, Casey. Uh, one of the teams you played for were the Boston Blades. Uh, you won a couple of championships there. You were there from 2010 to 2015. Now, tell us a little bit about uh, the Blades and how you got uh, involved with them. Yeah, for sure. Lucky enough, um, there was no really professional team around Boston um, before 2010 Olympics. So I graduated, went right into centralization, and then I was like, what am I going to do? Um, I thought I was going to move to Canada. I thought I was going to move to Minnesota because those were really the only options. But um, luckily enough, a brand new team opened up in Boston, the Boston Blades. And Aaron Witten, my assistant coach at UNH, was the head coach, ironically, and played with some amazing players. Probably one of my most fun years in hockey. Um, just, you know, girls coming out of college, not getting paid, <laughs> don't even have matching gloves or matching helmets. So, it, it was very interesting, but I think it was the start of, okay, things need to change for women's hockey. Uh, but at the same time, it, it was so worth going to the rink every day because of, you know, how much I enjoyed being around my teammates. And from there, you went to the Boston Pride, right, for a couple of years. You played there from uh, 2015 to 2017. Uh, tell us about how uh, experience, uh, how unique that experience was. 
Yeah, that was very unique just because we changed, we changed leagues there. So we were playing the Canadian women's hockey league and then the um, national women's hockey league got created. And so we said, you know, we started getting paid a little bit of money. Let's try, you know, to give this a go and maybe this will be the next wave and improvements for women's hockey. Unfortunately, it wasn't because the next year our salaries got cut in half and then eventually the commissioner left and whatnot. And I switched leagues again, but you know, it was a great first year. Um, in my opinion, we won, we had some great, um, girls on the team and just, you know, being able to, to see kind of that first league in, you know, the United States was pretty special to be a part of. And now it's called the premier hockey, uh, the premier Feder federation hockey right and uh the phf um yeah. and it's just been great it's been it's been improved so much there's a new commissioner reagan carey and um, i'm proud to be a part of it and you won the clarkson cup uh there twice with the uh, boston blades that was the name of the uh, championship trophy there so uh winning a winning the uh, championship at the professional level uh that's also i would imagine a highlight of your career as well Definitely. I've been lucky. Like I said, I've been on some amazing teams. And when you're on those pro teams, you're really, you know, training to make the national team. So my development was always to get better for the national team. And, you know, the teams that we were on, it was expected that we were going to win just because of, you know, the talent. And I think the expectations we always held um, for ourselves. But it's always fun playing with you know, non-national team players as well. I, I think some of my most favorite teammates um, are ones maybe not associated with the national team just because of how unique professional hockey is. Uh, but that's what makes it more special because you have such role players on the team that accept their role and they give 100%. And, you know, I have nothing but respect for that because they always bring a positive attitude. Absolutely. And uh, I also have in my notes here that uh, you played for the Calgary Inferno. Uh, what was it like playing in Alberta? That that was one of the best moves that I made. Um, I needed a little change after the 2018 Olympics. And my good teammate and good friend of mine, Brianna Decker, said, let's, let's just go and, you know, live in Calgary and experience it and see how it goes. There was a lot of uh, Canadian national team players that I really didn't know. So I thought it would be a unique experience as well. And it turned out just to be in incredible. I got to know those Canadian girls and it was just so fun, like understanding their training habits and seeing their, you know, effort put in every single day and just another, you know, increase of respect that I gained for them. Um, not to say like, you don't think that they're doing the same thing that you are, but to see it firsthand, and then to become good friends and just accept that you're rivals, but right now you're on the same team. It's pretty interesting, but um, like I said, I'll have friends forever just because of that year. Absolutely. And, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't touch on the fact that you also had some coaching experience at Merrimack College for a couple of years. And, uh, of course, that is of interest to me because I've done the radio for the men's and the women's for the last 18 years. Uh, I actually picked up the women's games this year. But uh, uh, how did you get involved with Merrimack? And uh, maybe some thoughts on your experiences there. Yeah, Erin Witten, she became the head coach and uh, she asked if I was interested in being an assistant. We weren't making a lot of money at the time, and it was I, I needed to living in Boston, training, 
making sure I was, I had enough money for, you know, everything that I needed to get to the next level. It was something that I had to do. Uh, I loved it. I really enjoyed working with the girls, recruiting. Um, it was very rewarding for me. And I learned so much about, you know, the coaching world. Um, and I, I, I would do it again in a heartbeat just because I learned a lot about myself, learned more about discipline and just really how to manage your time all while having a full-time job and trying to, uh, you know, make the next national team. And, of course, you had a chance to work with Aaron Hamlin, who uh, is the coach of the uh, Merrimack women's team. So uh, she has been the only head coach Merrimack has ever had. But uh, I imagine that was, uh, that was a good experience for you as well. Oh, yeah. Aaron and I have a great relationship. Ever since I went to UNH, I always looked at her as such a role model for me. Um, I'll never forget she tried out for the 98 team and got cut. And, you know, we've talked about it. It's, that's a hard thing. And I always would think about that going to camps and stuff and kind of like, okay, I got to do this for Aaron, got to do this for Aaron. Um, you know, she taught me a lot about work ethic at UNH and she's just, you know, such a black and white person that I, I feel like she rubbed off on me in such positive ways. And I'll never forget that experience. And I know that, you know, we'll be great friends forever because of it. We're talking with Casey Bellamy. Uh, she is a multi-time uh, Olympic medalist, uh, ice hockey, and uh, she also played her collegiate hockey at UNH, which is of great interest uh, uh, to us here because uh, we, we follow hockey so closely. You're listening to Airing It Out, files from Leahy's broadcast booth. And again, please feel free to check out the uh, podcasting website at LeahyStorytelling.com. Uh, Casey, I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit about your family. Uh, your two brothers, Rob and Corey. Uh, your brother Rob played uh, up at Maine, as we touched on earlier. He was drafted, actually, by the Philadelphia Flyers. And uh, uh, I wonder uh, if you could just describe how it was growing up uh, with, with two brothers who absolutely loved the game as well. And uh, maybe, maybe a little story about uh, what you learned from each other while you were uh, involved in hockey so much. Yeah, it was the best. It's definitely the reason why I'm so competitive to this day. Uh, I just, we would be out in the front yard playing roller hockey after school. And then until mom and dad called us in for dinner, we had a, a pond right at the end of our road in the wintertime. We would go and skate. Um, I, our dad built us a rink one year and we were just out there nonstop. But I, you know, have to give a lot of credit to my siblings, all of them, because they just pushed me to the next level. Uh, my brother, Rob, played, obviously, at the University of Maine, played uh, in the AHL East Coast, and always followed each other's careers, always, you know, kind of worked out in the offseason together. Gave, you know, he gave me pointers. And then I think he gained, like, a little bit more respect in my game after, you know, he was done and had more of a chance to watch me play. And my little brother, I mean, he he was a fighter. So he had that kind of, you know, strength and just going into every game with no fear. I, I learned, I think, that from him because I feel like I'm a good mix of, you know, both my brothers in that aspect. But, you know, they, they definitely pushed me when we were younger. And uh, I, I'd like to think we all pushed each other. Yeah, and you also have a sister, Lindsay, as well. Does she, is she as athletic as you are? She is the best part of our family. Nah, she didn't really play hockey, but she played other sports. She danced. She did field hockey. 
Um, but she probably is the strongest out of all of us. I mean, <laughs> just the in- incredible. And she'll tell you, let, she'll tell you that she is too. But one of the best support systems in my life, um, every Olympics just would go watch like in Westfield with her friends and have a watch party. And after we won gold, she FaceTimed me crying. Um, my family's just been the, the most incredible support and you can't, be successful without that foundation. Yeah, and and your parents too. We touched on it earlier, but uh, you know they were so invested in, in your success, and uh, uh, I'm I'm quite sure they were there every step of the way. And and I know you probably want to say a few words about uh, you know how important they were uh, to your success. Oh yeah, they they were everything. They sacrificed everything, um, not making a lot of money. Mom taking care of four kids. You know all under the age, uh, under the age of five before she was 20, you know, seven years old. It's just crazy. And, you know, my dad, I learned a lot of getting out of my comfort zone, my work ethic, um, stuff like that from my, my dad, my mom would always be the one to just sit and talk and give me advice and give me life lessons. I'd always, you know, be in the pilot seat of her car. And that's what I remember with my mom, just those she would bring me to my games when I was younger. She was always the one bringing me because my dad had uh, my older brother. Um, and then as I got older, just them being able to come to all of my national team tournaments, it was just special because I feel like when we were younger, we were all so separated because we were all so busy. So it was really special when my parents were able to you know, come together and come to my, my tournaments and games as I was older. So where do you see women's hockey now, uh, Casey? Uh, the, obviously, the game has made uh, great strides. Uh, uh, with, we, the women, of course, uh, their season, the championship just uh, concluded this past weekend with uh, Wisconsin winning the national title. But uh, women's hockey seems to be as strong as ever. Uh, I wonder if I could get your thoughts and perspective on where the game is today. Yeah, it's just growing, right? It's one of the fastest growing sports right now in North America. And this weekend watching the frozen four even the playoffs in general one of the most talented fast paced just incredible um playoffs for women's hockey women's hockey and i i feel like it was one of the most exciting for sure listen right now there's a lot of opportunity for girls coming out of college for girls that still want to play um there's the you know pwhpa and the PHF. So, you know, girls have options and it's, it's going to continue to grow and get better. Um, and that's the biggest thing. Girls are going to be able to have dreams to actually make money playing this sport, which is incredible. What was your favorite hockey East arena to play? And I'm going to put you on the spot here as a road uh, going on the road. What was your favorite arena? I would have to say Providence college. I wow, think because okay. all extended family lived there so I always had a crowd of like 25 people um, because obviously that was where I was born but I love Schneider Arena I don't know what it is about the gray and the black I just find it so intimidating and like just so like just sharp I love playing there 
No, great stuff. And, uh, you know, of course, I've had some great games down there. Uh, uh, I have to say Northeastern uh, is one of my favorites just because of the uh, the history of the building and how old it is. But uh, hockey. That's a good one. Yeah, Hockey East, have some, hockey East has some uh, tremendous arenas. And, uh, of course, the uh, Hockey East added Holy Cross uh, not long ago. And uh, Katie LaChapelle is the uh, head coach of the Crusaders. And uh, so Hockey East seems like it's as strong as ever uh, as well. Yeah, it's, it's becoming a great league, and they have brought in some really incredible head coaches and assistants and adding Holy Cross. Um, you know, women's hockey across the board is getting better, uh, and it's just wonderful to see. I did some color commentary uh, this year with Nate Bridges, and just to see the parody. Um, you don't see, like, as many superstars anymore, but you also don't see as many of those, you know, fourth liners that really can't play everyone's in the mix and it, it's great for the game what do you think of doing color commentary uh once they say once you get hit with the broadcasting bug you have it forever <laughs> you know i'm so busy i enjoy doing it you know on my free time and you know when i'm able to scout and it, it's it's awesome when you're working with someone that is great and you feed off of each other that's what i've learned um but yeah i enjoy the view from up top i've always been I've always loved the video analysis of the game, so I feel like color commentary just, you know, you just really are talking about the game and making sure you're pretty accurate with your sayings. Yeah, absolutely. And I notice you're also a cousin of the uh, former Indianapolis Colts safety, uh, Jamie Silva. Uh, that's kind of a cool story. Yeah, very cool. Uh, he went to Boston College, had a great career there, and ironically, his the night he played in the Super Bowl – Back in 2010, I was getting to the Olympics the same day. So pretty unique story. And wow. then they lost. They, yeah, they lost. And he came right to Vancouver with his wife uh, and came to the Olympics. So really cool. We do a camp uh, every year now in Pennsylvania. I talk about a little bit of like hockey and mindset. And he does football. And then there's a wrestling coach, too. Wow. Now you were with USA Hockey uh, for a while, and uh, then you ultimately retired. Uh, so you, you you had a long career there uh, with USA Hockey, and uh, you know maybe just a a, a few thoughts about uh, your experiences uh, leading up to your retirement. Yeah, COVID definitely you know threw a wrench in a lot of things, and I think as a professional male hockey player during COVID, you're given resources. You're, you know, having the ability to continue to skate and train. I was able to train. I had a home gym, so I was lucky in that aspect. But the ice, you couldn't go anywhere in the rinks. Um, if I wanted to skate, it was outside in negative 20-degree weather. And, you know, it, it was a tough adjustment. And I, I think just living in Calgary, um, you know, go, going through that experience, and then every time we were going to the national team, things were getting canceled and it was just like nonstop. And, you know, I had to really take a deep, hard look in the mirror because a lot of my motivation was fading. Um, I didn't really understand my purpose anymore, but I've learned a lot from that experience. And, you know, I decided that it was time for me to, you know, start the next chapter in my life. Um, I still miss the game incredibly. I miss the competition. Um, I'm just a competitive person, you know, at heart. I miss that game day routine, the training. Um, but my time with USA Hockey was incredible. 
and it's a testament to the teammates that I had and the relationships that I built there and the success that we had, you know, moving forward as a team and advancing as a team throughout the years to finally, you know, get that gold medal. It was the best feeling in the world. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I had Chuck Caton on. He was the longtime radio voice of the Hartford Whalers. We were talking about classic NHL arenas, and it's actually a three-part series. But uh, we touched on Calgary and, and some of the uh, nuances there. The uh, the old saddle dome in Calgary, shaped like a big old potato chip. Uh, um, but Calgary really is a great hockey city, right? And uh, they, they really take hockey very seriously there. Yeah, it was really fun to watch. I was there during one of the runs where Calgary was in the playoffs and they have like this sea of red um, down 17th and just the the city, it's smaller than Boston, but it has such a great like small city, uh, small city feel. And I think that that's where, why I fell in love with it. And then the mountains, uh, the Rockies, you can't really describe it. Pitchers don't do it justice. You literally have to go and experience it because it's absolutely breathtaking. And I probably went to the Rockies like 25 to 30 times while living there. And every single time it took my breath away. So that's one thing I will say about Calgary. If you you go visit, you have to go to the Rockies. Absolutely. Well, Casey, how can people follow you if they want to keep tabs on your career and and, uh, what you're up to? I Got off social media, but I'm back on Instagram. So Casey Bellamy 22. And then I am on LinkedIn and Facebook, but I'm not on Twitter. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Casey, it's been very enjoyable uh, having a chance to sit down and chat. Uh, when uh, when Nate told me uh, that, that you were interested in coming on, I, I was uh, very uh, excited to have you on as a guest because, as we've talked about, you, your history is, is so rich and, and so uh uh, filled of, with great accomplishments and stories, and we're all about storytelling here on the podcast. So I just wanted to uh, take a moment and thank you for your time, and uh, we will be publishing this tomorrow. So, uh, again, thanks so much, and you're always welcome here on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Have a great night. All right. Thanks, Casey. Uh, we Casey Bellamy has been our special guest on the podcast. Be with us next week when we will visit with Nesson sideline reporter Laura Stickles. You've been listening to Airing It Out Files from Leahy's broadcast booth, and I'm John Leahy. We will talk to you next week. Mitochondrial disease is a rare multi-symptom disease characterized by breakdowns in the mitochondria, which are specialized compartments that are present in every cell of the body except red blood cells and are responsible for creating more than 90% of the energy needed by the body to sustain life and support growth. A disease most commonly associated with children, currently there is no cure, just management of symptoms. Hugs for Mito Inc. is mitochondrial disease, rare disease advocacy, awareness, fundraising for research trials, and hopefully a cure. To learn more, please visit hugsformito.org. 